Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Kent Lapp, and welcome to this episode of the KLP, where we give you long-form, in-person conversations that explore and inform. Today, I'm excited to give you my conversation with Matt Alvarez. Matt was recently tapped by Joe Rogan to build Joe's new studio for his wildly popular podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, which Matt, in fact, did accomplish in a remarkable two and a half weeks, from phone call to completion. Since we were in Austin for the week, I thought it would be great to have Matt on to hear more about the process of building Joe's new studio in such a short amount of time, how he got the gig, which now has turned into a new business vertical for him, where he sees the future of podcasting going and plenty more. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Sister India. Check them out at sisterindia.org, and here's what you need to know in 60 seconds. In the last year more than ever, many of us are deeply yearning to make a positive impact where we can and bring light to a dark world. If that's your heart, I'd like to share Sister India's story with you. India is the most dangerous nation in the world for women and girls. Severe poverty and illiteracy make them vulnerable to trafficking and forced labor, while customary practices encourage child marriage, sexual assault, and female infanticide. Sister India changes these vulnerable women and girls' lives and teaches families to value girls as precious image bearers. Its program's outcomes are life-changing. Last year, average household incomes among participants increased 60%, and families began preventing trafficking, child labor, and child marriages. Each gift of $25 creates generational change for a woman, learner, and her daughters, and strengthens communities that love and uplift girls as the beautiful gifts they are. Also, your gift is matched to multiply your impact through the end of the year. Learn more about our story and outcomes and join in giving at sisterindia.org. SisterIndia.org, folks. Go donate to their important cause and let them know you heard about them on the KLP. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. And if you haven't yet, would you please hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you use as well? You can do that right now. Thank you. And with that, I give you my conversation with Matt Alvarez. Please enjoy. Matt, okay. We'll go with Matt. Yeah, all right. Mr. Matthew Alvarez, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. So, um, all right, so you good with Matt? Everyone calls you Matt? Matt's Your friends call you Matt? Everybody calls me Matt. Joe calls me Matt. Everybody calls me Matt. Joe calls you Matt. I like it. (laughs) What part of town you live? How close Uh, to here? 360, where the 360 bridge is, you know, kind of iconic. 2222, 360, Hill Country area. I don't know that area. So, like, North Austin? Northwest okay. Austin. Okay. Yeah. It's like how far from here? It's about 25 minutes. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for making the time, man. Yeah, of course. What was, uh, like, what's your day like? Like, what were you doing today? Today, we Let's had a, a more, uh, another design proposal for a new client. Okay. So, we've been working with a gentleman named Alex Hermosi. Okay. Um, we're finishing phase two of his studio right now. Okay. Um, and he's been great. I mean, he's got a pretty large network of other content creators and, you know, business minded entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, and so he's been really just ecstatic about what we did for his studio and kind of just leveraging that to get more business and yeah. send more people my way. So, yeah, fantastic. So I found out about you, I think through Joe Rogan's Instagram. Right. You built his new studio and he had a shout yeah. out or two on that and mm-hmm. Soundshed Studios and 
now you kind of in, are in this space, right? You've doing some, you're doing some more studios in the area yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's been a definite pivot. You know, we, okay. we've seen what COVID's done for everybody else, and yeah, you know, you can kind of turn that into opportunity, right? The what, what's that? Lemons and lemonade. Exactly. And yes. Yes. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. At, at this at this juncture, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. um, kind of just working independently. I've done a lot of this okay. work in the past. Um, AV design, engineering, whatever, you know, okay. kind of multifaceted. And so when the project kind of fell into my lap, you know, it's just, all right, well, it's kind of do or die, right? Yeah. Like it's like these opportunities don't just present themselves that every day. That is true. So it's like, uh, you know, can you do it? He asked. And I said, yes. And then from there, it's like, I'll deal with the consequences afterwards, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, how about, so I want to talk about that. But first, I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Are you a native Austinian, or do you have a family? Or yeah, so uh, it's just me and my wife, and okay. I've been here for eighteen years. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, originally from Houston, so okay. Texas for sure. Um, yeah, so kind of born, raised Texan, come yeah. here. What brought you to Austin from Houston? Oh, just career opportunity for for my parents. So okay, um, came here and then uh, got sucked into the allure. Of the music scene, yes. nothing, nothing like uh, Nashville. I was recently up in in Nashville, and it was kind of blown away. I was floored by the caliber of musicians out there. It's really, it's, it's, it's you it's, would it's, say Austin's nothing like Nashville when it comes to the music scene. I, I would say there's a level of professionalism and an air to the musicians up there that seems like effortless. Where oh, here, you know, we have a great live capital, but it's very much ingrained in kind of like the jam culture, like the stereo, okay. a little bit standstill in time, you know. Okay. Uh, Nashville seems like it's it's constantly moving forward. So I was really um, excited to be there. Yeah. And, uh, and see, you know, what we were kind of missing. But, um, but yeah, so I've been in Austin for quite some time, kind of developed my career here, um, working different companies, most recently with WeWork. And okay. On their engineering team. Okay. And so we were part of the big initiative for like all the AV work, whether it was the podcast studios that we were starting to integrate or, you know, just a uh, general design schematics and how we were going to integrate that with our vendors and whatever was the best turnkey systems for us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just kind of working in different, different aspects of AV, whether it's home automation or even education and support like that. So mm-hmm. uh, the podcast realm has been a really recent development in terms of kind of doing this as a profession and not just as oh yeah we can add podcasts right like your situation so i didn't know we work was getting into podcasts what was it studios who were renting yeah so so you know it's a it's it's a massive company and going into it i didn't know what to expect and when we came out to la and new york to check out some of the sites um they had a full-fledged recording studio Okay. And some of their New York uh, buildings as well as L.A. And and that was really exciting seeing that, like, they were offering that to their members. And, like, yeah, because you know, everybody wants to record. Right. Right. But nobody wants to pay the high dollar fees for, you know, getting the gear, hiring someone like me to come out here and, like, build it. Yes. So that was really cool. And then the podcast was another addition that they started doing in Dallas and Austin as a pilot. Um, don't know if they're using them. Obviously, okay. at this point. So. Well, is that company even still functioning? Is it all shut down? No, they uh, to some capacity they are. I mean, I still I still keep in touch with old colleagues. Um, okay, I thought we were filed for bankruptcy and all that. 
I haven't heard that. Okay. I know that there were some issues with, you know, their the CEO being, you know, kind of like, or he he left. I don't know what the okay. circumstance was. I was yeah. just happy to have a, a job with him. Yeah. But, <laughs> right. Now, when you say in, like, you said you flew to New York and that was when you first saw podcast studios with WeWork. So it's obviously WeWork is co-working space, right? And they right. were doing it at scale. I mean, they were the big ones. Right. And there was a co-working space in New York that also had a really cool, high-functioning, really built-out podcast studio that they would rent out. Yeah, so so I, more so kind of a full-fledged production studio for recording. So it could be bands, it could be okay. artists, or it could, okay. you know whatever you wanted to use. It was kind of a, a malleable space. But I know with the Texas market, they had started doing more specific podcast studios, mm. um, which were generally smaller rooms and build outs but it was really cool because a turnkey system right somebody yes. wants to come in i don't even know how to you know run updates on my windows machine but i can right. you know follow instructions to plug this thumb drive in and start talking for two hours and then i'm on my way and yeah. outsource the editing you know so so it was pretty cool because i mean we were living in this kind of shift where um, you know, everybody has a platform to say what they need to say, yes. what they want to say, uh, for better, for worse. And, right. and, you know, there needs to be accessibility for that. And I think some companies are wising up to that and saying, wow, like we need to offer this because that's a value proposition for people who utilize us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But they're going after a broader market than just podcasting. They're because really, if you're going to make a really nice studio, you don't have to do, I mean, you're going to do a little bit more to have right. musicians be able to use it, but a lot of the basics are still the same, right? The soundproofing and the and the acoustics of the room and just all of that type of thing. Generally, I mean, it's when when you're talking about recording source audio that's a band or something that's louder and very dynamic. Um, you know, there, there's typically, a, I mean, there's a lot that goes into the science behind. Mm -hmm. You know, how to diffuse, stand, you know, uh, standing sound waves and how how to properly use diffusion versus absorption. You know, there, there's a lot of different um, nuances to doing that. With a podcast studio, it's it, it's a lot more scaled down, right? It's a lot more simple. Yeah. Um, you and I talking right now, we're so close in proximity to the microphone that we're not necessarily having to deal too much with uh, the reflections in the room. You can still hear them, mm -hmm. but it's not as amplified as though uh, as if it was a drum set, let's say. Yes. You know, and and that could even look like this mic being three feet away from me, and all of a sudden you hear more of the room. So yes, exactly. It, treating the production for what the end goal is, is really what I think um, needs to be assessed first. And okay. I think we were understood like, hey, most of our people are just talking, yes. right? So let's cater to, you know, how can we get by with the best value proposition and, and that way we can yeah. spec it to that. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of a, a, a misconception because when people say, hey, let's soundproof this room. Yeah it's kind of a loaded statement, right? Because you can't really soundproof anything unless you're going to go through the process of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars creating a false floor and a, yes. you know, those big anechoic chambers. Um, but you can take any room, right? Like let's go, let's say the bathroom and just acoustically treat it um, for the size and, and kind of decide, okay, like what am I actually using the space for? Do you right. want to record a saxophone in there or yeah. are you just going to be talking about your day? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there, there, there's so many nuances that go into it. And I think the challenge of creating those solutions has always appealed to me mm. more so than being an audio engineer. Oh, interesting. As okay. A whole, yeah. You know? Okay. 
Is this the worst podcast studio I've ever been in, by the way? This is the kitchen of an Airbnb. No, no. I mean, <laughs> we so, even had to swap this painting out. Don't tell the owner of the Airbnb. <laughs> Whatever was here was super boring, and this was in the bedroom. Right. <laughs> That's the only change we did. Otherwise, we're literally just in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe you can agree with me on this. I think a, a huge part of that dynamic during podcast and, and talking and, and the interaction between you know the host and the guest is the environment. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so let's strip away everything else. Let's strip away like was this meant to be a podcast studio and look at it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Two people talking about whatever subject matter it is and whether or not they're in a space that caters to just feeling comfortable and being able to have those conversations. Yes. Um and so a lot of that's always overlooked because we get so in the weeds with like what gear do I need? Right. Like is this the right mic? Do these headphones look dope? Like, you know, like, do I have the producer? And at the end of the day, like if the content isn't good, well, a lot of that's attributed to the environment. Yes. Um, and so I think a lot of people can overlook some of the acoustical things that may not be perfect. Yeah. If, if the person talking is like really, um, you know, doing it justice. I totally agree. And also, I think that's one of the beautiful things about the podcasting space where it is so personal, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just very casual and it's just that personal dynamic. It's, it's, it's that you don't really get that. I think through like the old form of radio, maybe you could in a sense, but that just felt different. There's something about podcasts that does feel personal in that sense. Right. I totally agree. What brought you to Nashville? Uh, we work. Oh, okay. How long ago was that? Oh man, that was I'd say November last year. Oh, uh, okay, so almost yeah, so year. 2019. So almost oh, 20, Okay, yeah, November yeah. of 19. Okay, got it. Had you been to Nashville before? What'd you think of the city? Drove through it once before, okay. but on this trip got to do uh, what's what's the main drag there? Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. yeah so okay. Got to do that. Do Did you some, hit up some bars and live music and all that? Man, it was crazy. There's just yeah. so many people. I was just like, I was a little intimidated. You know, you yeah. go to a, a city you don't know by yourself. Uh, and you're yeah. just like, oh, this is kind of strange. And yeah. Like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know the culture here. So I, yeah. I kind of just walked around, observed, and then yeah. went back to the hotel. But yeah, I wish we had known each other then. we could have. I could have shown you around Nashville a little bit. Because what you saw was definitely like, that's the tourist-facing part right, of Nashville. Right. Like any city, you know? And uh, Nashville's great. I mean, uh, people are friendly. And I'm sure you have that here in Austin, too. But uh, Austin has progressed, I think, in some ways, quite a bit more than Nashville. Certainly, like the tech scene, yeah. Um, there's a lot going on, and it just seems like there's some podcasters moving into Austin. Any idea what's going on with that? I mean, obviously, Rogan is the big one, but then there's some others as well that had moved in. I think like the the Drinking Brothers, which I don't follow them super closely, mm-hmm. but some others have kind of moved into Austin. Is that just Austin's a good city and it's a good state to live in in Texas and people are moving around or is there something specific going on with podcasting that people want to be here? That's a good question. I, you know, with, with, I think the Austin culture has always been kind of polarized in the news as being weird and strange. Right. And, you know, like I think maybe there's kind of a creative freedom to being here. Yes. You know, um, a lot more liberal, you know, say what mm-hmm. you want to say. Uh, but the cool thing too is like, it's Texas. Right. So like, you also have the conservatives where you can, you know, still be on that side of the line and yep. you know, be a podcaster and still have enough of an audience locally that's going to follow you and you can basically cater to either or. Yes. Um, as far as Texas as a whole, I mean, we see what's going on in California as far as prices mm-hmm. and like all the, the crazy politics and, um, you know, in, in New York, the same thing there, you know, like how can you do a podcast in city in, in a city that's so loud and so bustling all the time. That's a good point. And, yeah. and I think people think about that. It's like, where can I go where it's affordable, 
um, where I can get like a home with enough square footage to have my own studio Mm -hmm. and still like have land if I want to like get a ranch or something like that. Um, So I think the opportunity to have a podcast in Texas kind of stems from from a lot of those things culminated as like, okay, you know, what makes sense financially and for a conducive space to actually do a studio. Yeah, but then also to have a community of creatives around you because Austin definitely has that. Definitely. You know, I'm surprised a little bit to hear what you said about the music scene, although maybe not entirely. I mean, Nashville is, there's a really great music scene there. Mm -hmm. Um, But Austin does have that creative community that I think is, it's fairly rare. I know other cities have it too. Nashville has a little bit of that too, but... I think the creative space is probably a little stronger in Austin, maybe it, than it, it is in It Nashville. most definitely is, and and I, I I would attribute that to the sense of I would say community here. You I know, would. yeah, and, okay. I, and I think Nashville is very uh, you know you got to be like top tier, and I think everybody's kind of cutthroat with you know being a musician out there, and mm-hmm. like this is my career. Right, um, Austin, there's there's a there's a larger form of acceptance. You know, you may not okay. be like a virtuoso at your instrument, but Hey, let's get together. Let's get to know each other. Let's have a beer. Let's yeah. go jam, whatever it may be. And I think Austin as a whole, when it comes down to the creative scene, I, there's there's more people helping each other kind of network oh, and, that's very and, cool. and create those opportunities for each other. And that may okay. be what the difference between Nashville and Austin that you're talking mm. about. I, I don't have mm-hmm. the insight to Nashville, but um, that's one thing I've seen. And I've, I've been involved in the music scene here for the better part, about 17 years. Um, my wife and I owned a recording studio up until last October and you know, worked with a lot of the musicians here, played shows, put together events. Um, and so you, know, you, you see that a lot. It's, it's kind of like a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a growing city, yep. but it still feels like a small town. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, your name, once your name's out there, everybody kind of like has that six level of separation and like right. you kind of know them somehow. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And it just seems like Austin's just going to be the next, you know, it already is. It's just such a good hub for kind of transplants who want a good opportunity. And like you said, tech companies are coming out here. Um, now that may for be for kind of financial <laughs> reasons. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's definitely a destination. You yeah, know? for sure. Are you concerned about all the people moving in from California and around the world no. or not around the world? Well, there's probably some of that too, but particularly right. from other States during COVID that so many people moving in, do you think that's a good thing? Or do you think that's something that native Austin's Austinians or Texans need to sort of guard against to make sure the culture remains? No, that's all. I mean, that's, that's kind of a hard, you know, question to answer because everybody who's a native Texan seems to feel like it's imposing on their culture and like changing the landscape of what Austin is. And I I don't, I don't agree with that. Mm. Uh, My wife and I have had this conversation we've talked about, you know, I've been here so long and I've seen the changes happen. Um, But how do you, how can you stop that when, when it's such a great town Mm -hmm. and you want to, uh, you want to showcase what we're known for, but you also want people to stay out. Like it doesn't, right. It really, it's, it's very small minded in my opinion. And so, you know, I welcome the change. I welcome the growth Mm -hmm. because it creates those opportunities that even the creatives need, right? Like we, we, most musicians, most, you know, people in film or whatever it may be, they're not always doing that full time. So there's got to be opportunity. You know, you can't have the bars without tourism. Mm -hmm. You can't have the tech industry without, you know, opportunity for the tech companies to be able to grow. Um, And people are going to come here. Mm -hmm. You can't stop that. It's inevitable. 
And so I, I would hope that people would kind of wise up and say, oh, wow, like this, this can be a good thing. It's just all about perspective. Yes. Well, I think I love your perspective. I totally agree with it. That's how I feel about Nashville, too, um, because I think when you th- the alternative is like, well, there is really no good alternative. The alternative right. is where we try to keep people at bay and hold on to what we have so hard. But the pro- if you do that and you do that successfully, you're going to lose what you had anyway. So like right. there's right. And that's life. Right. Like we all it's always changing and evolving and you have to just con- continue to go with it. Mm-hmm. So I like that perspective for sure. Where is your wife also a musician? She's not. She is the development director over at one of the radio stations here. Okay. So she works with the classical station here in Austin. So I she see. does development and new donor outreach and things of that nature. So yeah. she's very involved with the arts community with, you know, kind of ballet and, and, and classical. Um, and so everything I'm kind of involved in kind of overlaps in sure. many ways. That's, yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. So you have, you had a recording studio, and were you a, like a session musician also, or you, you mentioned being being a musician, you do your own music, or yeah, so you for hire, or what was kind of your angle there on the music side? So generally, um, you know, I would have my own band and thing going on, okay. and then I would do, you know, recording for other bands and production for other bands, okay. you know, in between, you know, having a full-time career. Um, so yeah, it was... It, it's always been one of those things where I'm wearing all these different hats okay, and not necessarily taking any time to kind of like carve okay. a path for what I want to do. It's just yeah. like, this looks interesting. Let me do this. Yeah. And Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proficient at this now. Like I can do this for a while. And then in some regards, I tend to get a little bit like bored after a mm-hmm. while or a little complacent. And then that's when it's like, okay, let's move on yeah. to, to the next thing. Where did you learn about design? Cause not like, I mean, some people just have a knack for that, but then I feel like a lot of people, they just need to be like trained or need that education in that aspect. So did you go to school for design or no, the, even with music, there was no formal training or anything like that. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't have a degree and you know, didn't okay. take any certs. Um, generally it's just, again, you know, when the opportunity presents itself, you decide, you know, is this something that I feel comfortable doing? Is this right. something I'm passionate about? Um, and so working in audiovisual for so long, you start to kind of see those things and you say like, hey, that would look cool to do it that way. Yes. Or like, how can I make this more dynamic and like create some depth in this room? Not just like, how do we make these speakers louder? How do we make the right. list? Like, how do we make this system bump? No, it's like, how can we incorporate an aesthetic touch to where like, this living space, for example, needs to still function as a living space mm-hmm. and not feel like it's a recording studio, not feel like it's just like overrun with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of tying those things in. And when you're talking about podcast studios or anybody's studio in general, like there has to be a touch of like um, some sort of uh, characteristic that feels like the host, right? Like this. Ah, okay. Right. Th- let's take like, you know, like, Jimi Hendrix had his style, you know, yep. Stevie Ray Vaughan had, had his style. Um, so it's the same thing when you're hosting a podcast studio, you want people to have your own brand, mm-hmm. uh, to recognize like who you are, this is what you're doing. And, um, audio visual plays a lot into that, but it sometimes gets forgotten over design. So it's a matter of like, how can you marry those two facets together yes and and make it work and look good and function you know well it comes back to that personality and that personableness and kind of that just that human interaction that i think podcasting can be really good at 
um, or can convey really well. Like it's a good medium for that. And then yeah. if the studio reinforces that, I mean, I feel like Joe's studio in LA did that. And then the new one was very different. Right. But when you, but you know, like it's, it's doing that now also, you know, like right. it's, um, so I think that's, I totally agree with the studio being like an extension of the podcast hosts or hosts kind of personality, um, mm-hmm. vibe ethos, whatever, whatever the words are. Um, I think that's actually a, a really big key. Right. Definitely. How did, um, how did you get hooked into or looped into making Joe Rogan studio? So just like everything else, just circumstance, right. You know, um, you know, right now with COVID, I think everybody's just kind of scrambling to like figure things out. And, you know, I got laid off back in May from WeWork and kind of just doing, you know, independent contracting, doing, you know, some podcast mixing work and, uh, kind of some other home AV and design stuff. And come, I would say early August, I'm friends with his, I guess, security guy. Oh yeah. Here in Texas. Does he have a full-time security guy? Yeah. And, and so, um, and you know, obviously to respect Joe's, you know, privacy and stuff, I'm trying to admit as much as I can. Yeah. (laughs) But can you tell us if he has a dozen security guys or just one? I don't know. You know, I feel like Joe can take care of himself. That's you know what, what I mean? feel like, like too. I was like, why does he even have a security guy? Right. Right. Like <laughs> it's, it's a, like you're in a room with Joe and it's like, dude, this guy lifts, man. Like, yeah, this guy, this guy can like punch through my chest and like, so, um, but it, I think that's just like what the case with every high profile person yeah. is like you get bum rushed by a million people and you, know, you can yeah. only kick at so many of them. It's true. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I just got a call from somebody, you know, he was working with that said, Hey, I know a guy who does this stuff. And, um, we met up and kind of the rest was history. He just asked like, Hey, what's your idea for this? What, what would you do? Kind of given my design proposal and, um, a lot of, you know, kind of coming into this like head first really quickly. It was like, Hey, like I don't even have time to do a sketch up or anything like a rendering. So it was really just having a structure that was already there. Mm-hmm. If you look in the pictures, there's that kind of cylindrical stru- structure that was built in there. That Was the cylindrical structure there or did you build that? So the cylind- that, that structure had already been uh, built by some artist in the past and it was serving as a room uh, within the facility. Oh, okay. And gotcha. so the challenge was taking the structure and soundproofing it, okay. for lack of better terms, and then getting it ready for production. And so there were a lot of things that had to go into this room to actually get this thing finished out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also taking the parameters for color and like little right. things that we had gotten from Joe and, and say, okay, how can we tie this into a working podcast studio? Um, and, and I mean, full disclosure, I'm not an avid podcast listener. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, meeting Joe was awesome, but I didn't really have like a big history of like Joe and what he did okay. and, you know, his podcast or anything like that. So it was kind of funny with the interaction, um, kind of going into my ideas for how this should be implemented from like a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then also seeing Joe's reactions and him kind of almost feeling like that's not what he expected. Okay. You know, I, I think at some point, um, with a job like that, it's easy to just say yes. Yeah. You know, we'll just figure it out and we're just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would never want to do a project if we weren't doing it the right way. Right. 
And so I kind of lead forward with that no matter who the client is. So in this case, you know, Joe was awesome about giving me those liberties to be able to like make that happen with whatever kind of like small parameters he, he let us work with, which was, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, basically it was just, Hey, I'm Joe Rogan. I'm Matt. Cool. This is what I'm going to do. Like, let's figure it out. By the way, you have two and a half weeks to do this. That's so quick. Right. I mean, that is so quick. Yeah. How do you get that outfitted, designed, outfitted, done in two and a half weeks? I mean, were you just working like 15-hour days? Oh, definitely. Or, yeah. I was, mean, because first of all, like figuring out how this, what the end result should be and how to get there, I mean, that, that takes a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. To go from here's a room and now we're using it in two and a half weeks is, I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. It was, it was uh, again, you know, when the first thought in my mind is like, Yes, I've done this before, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is what I, you know, have made my career around. But um, after you say yes, you're committed, right? <laughs> so so there's there's like no room for error. There's no no margin for error. It's just like, hey, we've got to do this, right? Yep. And um, and so that first week was probably the most stressful, even more so than the labor and like getting it built out mm. was the procurement of materials mm. and subcontractors and things of that nature. Like, how are we like? can we get an electrician in here in, in this quick timeline to like get us our electrical and our duplexes? Can we get, you know, the sprinkler guys to move these things around? Cause you know, like we have to build around this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then can we get material like the soundproofing material we used uh, inside the walls? Can we get all the acoustic panels? Can we get, you know, all the cabling we need? And so that first week was literally just dedicated to getting everything procured. And then the following week was just go like everything. Putting it all together. Yeah, it, it was kind of having a schedule and saying, okay, this hits the ground on this date. Let's make that happen. And then let's keep moving forward as, as material comes in. And so it just, there was a very finite schedule for how we had to, you know, implement yeah. every, every aspect of, the, of that build. Are you a decent project manager to begin with? Or was this like taking things to a whole different level? Because oh, I mean, no. just the project yeah. management aspect of this seems like it's pretty intense. Yeah, it, it was intense. But, you know, doing that with we worked prior and, and mm-hmm. the company mm-hmm. before that, you know, it, it was it was more of a constrained schedule to work within. Okay. But, you know, it was okay. I, I think that was the main part of it was that planning process. You know, if if somebody goes into a project and says, okay, I've got two and a half weeks, regardless of the scale of the project, and they don't spend at least two and a half days planning, you know, you're just shooting from the hip. Yes, And and there's so many errors that happen, and you're spending more time fixing those things after the fact, you know, than than actually getting it done right the first time. For sure. Why so quick? Was it a last-minute decision, or did they just kind of run out of time, or... Any, do you have any idea? I, I really, I really don't know. You know, I, I know that um, that move, and you know, if you watch his show, he kind of explains like, hey, you know, we decided to leave on this date, yeah, and we needed to be ready to produce on this date. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, somewhere in between there, it was like, okay, well, we got to find a guy, yeah. to make this happen. Yep. And so, honestly, I don't know exactly why, but yeah. I just know that that was a time frame that That's we were what you given. were given. Yeah. I think I heard him, because I listened to his show. I don't listen to every single episode because there's a ton, but I do check in occasionally, and I, I think he's a master at the craft, honestly. I think he's exceptional. Um, and I think I heard him say this summer that it was, or fall, that it was 
decision to actually moving living in the new house in like six weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's very short. I yeah. mean, you think about a family, like in, and this is not like me moving. This is like a right. celebrity moving. This is kind of a big deal. So to go from like decision to actually living in a new house in six weeks, along with the studio and everything, that's pretty impressive to pull that off. Obviously, you were a huge part of that. Um, clearly, there you know we don't need to go share details that would invade on Joe's privacy. But this is a room inside of a bigger building. Yes. Yes. Okay. And how big is the room? Like, how big is the studio? I think it was twenty-four in depth and something like fourteen in okay. width. And because it's cylindrical, I think at the top point you're working with maybe eight feet, nine feet. Oh, at the top, at the oh, yeah, okay, at, at the, the highest, at the very. And then, like, it looks like it's you kind of you know it, it is like a cylinder. So, yep. like, can you stand up straight and walk in by the table, or do you have to sort of bend in a little bit? I, I think I think so. Yeah, I mean, okay. if, if you're walking towards the walls, it's as you get closer to those walls and like the acoustic panels that are mounted, mm-hmm. it's it's harder. You know, you may have to bend down if you're like six five or something okay. like that. But it's 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 a pretty quick curve once you get okay. to a certain point. Okay, um, you know, like. I don't know how many NBA players Joe has in there or anything right. like that, but you know if Yao Ming's in there or something, it's yeah probably gonna be pretty that. uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so fourteen by twenty four, so like maybe like the width of this room and then like the length of this space here, yeah, give or take. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would say this is pretty pretty close. Um, okay, it looks a little smaller than that. I think it's just because of the cylinder maybe, and when the table's in there, and then of course you have Jamie's stuff. Right. Right. Um, so when by the time you factor all of that, so yeah, I mean that space would fill up pretty pretty quick. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. So, what did you use to so you soundproof and then is it like I don't know like <laughs> I grew up you know working with like not fine carpentry at all but like <laughs> building stuff like portable sheds. So right. I know about plywood and two by fours. That's all I know about. Mm-hmm. Is it plywood on the walls or how did you get like what's the kind of the the ex the interior? So in, interior is just ply, so three sixteenths, okay. and then double up on that. Okay. Um, you know when when you're when you're trying to tackle a prefabbed frame, and you know in that timeline, you know, I would have started over from scratch, right? Like there, okay. there's no way I would design a studio to be in a cylinder, right? <laughs> right? Is that because the like the natural audio like that's just not ideal at all it's just it's not ideal it's hard to treat you know and like the reflections kind of it's nice because the reflections can scatter in in a different area you know they'll Mm -hmm. they'll reflect back at a different angle but you know think of like a bass drum right like think of how a kick drum works if you're taking a sound wave and you're amplifying it through a long tunnel right you know like you're in the in the subway of new york and someone's yelling or sax players playing down there or something like that, like you hear that amplified and it gets exponentially louder until it has something to ref, uh, either diffuse or absorb it. So, you know, it makes it a challenge to do so in a room that's both that small and not a lot of mounting points to put acoustical treatment. So, right. so yeah, it's just, it's not necessarily ideal um, from a, a visual um aesthetic it looks really cool yes and if the space were larger i think it would be you know serve for like a really open feeling mm-hmm. and you know we've seen the complaints right like people say it looks too small and you yeah. know like what's going on with this and that and it's like you know joe said it best it's like 
what do you do with two and a half weeks to get something like this done with, yeah. with those type of parameters, you yep. know, like step up to the plate, do it yourself or don't complain. You yeah, know? that's it's right. Like <laughs> it, so, so it was, it was challenging. Um, and again, like Joe's team, they were awesome about getting us everything we needed. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just, it was a pretty seamless process. It just, it comes with its kind of, uh, compromises. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Andrew, can you pull up just a picture of the studio? If you go to Joe's Instagram, or maybe if you just Google it, you can probably find it because there's like, there's, um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you call it? Like there's like blocks of, is it for the audio where there's like panels on the wall that like come out from the wall a little bit? Is that mm-hmm. to help with the acoustics? Yeah. Yeah. So those okay. are, we have our, diff, uh, okay. Those boxes there. Is that for acoustics or yeah. for looks? Yeah. So, so the good thing is there's a company called GIK Acoustics and uh, I think they're based out of Georgia. And the awesome part of what they're doing is they're taking diffusion and kind of merging it with absorption, right? Mm. So you've got a four inch panel that has insulation. And what essentially happens is that you're creating absorption as well as scattering the sound waves with the design. So on top of that is a hard panel and that panel essentially creates a scatter for the acoustics or or for the, for the sound waves to Mm -hmm. bounce off of. And that way you're not getting a direct reflection back from that surface. I see. Um, so just that little bit of design does create a diffusion for sound waves. Yes. And That's then having horrible. that four inches of, of essentially just insulation behind there absorbs okay. the lower. So you could, you could, if you stuck your finger kind of through the black, uh, what looks like kind of a maze mm-hmm. on that four inch block, that's going to be soft behind there. That's yep. insulation. Yep. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously there's lights and is there... On the left, there's like a monitor. Is that just more lights? Oh, it's more lights. And then, of course, Jamie's setup is over there to the right. Is there a, um, is there like an air circulation system built in specifically so you can smoke cigars in there? <laughs> well, I mean, by design, yes. So if you see the little the little air inlets there, okay, the three on the wall. Everybody had a lot of questions about these, but okay. these are just this is just a the return air. So we have air coming in, and then there's a an exhaust up on the ceiling. So yeah, there, okay. there's definitely HVAC coming through yeah. the room. Is he just going to smoke weed here in Austin and no one's going to bother him? Or is he going to try not to smoke it publicly? I mean, it's such I, a part of his podcast, you right. know, like, you know, I, I really don't have any idea. To be honest. <laughs> uh, I don't know what Austin's laws are in Nashville. It's still illegal, but the attorney general, um, they're not going to prosecute anyone if they catch Same. small it, amounts of it's, weed. So. It's been like decriminalized, right? But yeah, I mean, most of the time, I, I feel like you know Austin PD just kind of like, uh, you know, right. get rid of it, or you know, like we don't want to see it again. Yeah. So, yeah, I can imagine like anybody coming here is pretty excited because they're like, oh, okay, cool, like I can smoke in the street and just get like a slap on the wrist. So right. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that is like that's not even the case in Colorado. Apparently, in Colorado, where it's totally legal, you're not allowed to smoke. Um, on the sidewalk or in public places, like there's pretty much you got to be in your house, from right. what I understand. Um, yeah, so Joe moved in, and um, his first, I think, was his first podcast with, uh, oh shoot, now the guy's gonna skip my mind. Uh, it's like the granddaddy of podcasting, basically. Oh, Adam Curry, yes, yeah, and uh, yeah, Joe got lit up on like 
there was a lot of negative <laughs> comments <laughs> going on about that. I mean, do you just kind of take the, I mean, I think he's going to be totally fine, right? I mean, that's probably has cooled down and people just, it's a change. And so people had to adjust, but it was quite a, quite an adjustment. Like, do you think he's going to make any kind of corrections? And I think they were still getting set up with the Jamie, with the video shots or, you know, angles and all that. Um, you think there's just things that continue to improve and everything's going to be fine? Oh, oh, definitely. You know, just, just like anything else. I mean, even, even if you have the best team in the world, right. You know, let, let's say they hire like a hundred thousand dollar, hundred million thousand or a hundred million dollar, you know, company to come out and like do this thing. Like yep. there's always factors, right. Yep. You, you, you know, whether it boils down to lighting or framing or frame rate, whatever it may look like, um, you know, like, You'll catch those things over time, and and you're right. I think that the stark difference between studio uh, revision, you know, before this, and then like this studio now, like, yeah, it's gonna upset some people. You know, yeah. people love to be familiar with what they know, um, but at the end of the day, you know, like Joe decided, hey, this is what I want. This is what right. looks cool. Like, this is what I'm feeling right now. You know, and if Joe says, hey, Matt, like, let's do something different. You know, like that's that's the beauty of it right like right. create your personality or, or not your create your studio around your personality and what you're right. feeling at the time you know and yeah. that 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 goes for any podcaster you know mm-hmm. um and you know fortunately for joe he's number one mm-hmm. right so like haters right like yeah. we, <laughs> we know the old adage about haters right yeah, it's that's just to- like it's totally true i mean i will say this it's starting to grow on me um but when he moved in there I didn't, uh, there was a lot there I didn't understand. Like, first of all, the guy's got money, right? So right. he wants to do a, a studio in this room. That's great, but you could do a studio anywhere you want and build it as big as you want and build an entire new building around it if you want. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, I was just surprised to see him go what looked to be a space that small. Because what I loved about his other space was he had room to get up and show someone how to do a sidekick or like to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he just doesn't, I don't, it didn't look like he had that kind of space here. And I'll say this, the Adam Curry coming on the Joe Rogan experience in the first episode, I believe in the new studio, it was not Joe's best day. I mean, I'll just say that. I don't know if you listened to it or not, but it was, uh, the negative feedback was not entirely from the studio. I think he was a little drunk coming into it and he was cutting Adam Curry off a ton and it was just not, I'm a, I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. I listen to a ton of his stuff and I, but one of the comments was look like, look, we all have bad days at work. Right. And right. so that made sense. It's like, oh yeah. yeah, Joe has some bad days too. And maybe some would say that was not a bad day and he was doing perfectly fine. I just kind of felt like that was not his best podcast by any stretch of the imagination. And I think that kind of compounded things with the studio too. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I don't, I don't watch a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I did hear, you know, I did hear some of the comments and stuff like that. And, you know, for me, like think, let's think about it this way, right? Like you, you move from LA to Austin. Let's say you, you brought your podcast here from Nashville and you hire a guy like me to like build a studio, right? Like the shock value and the first, like the initial like reactions, like, dude, this is sick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even when we finished the studio in person, it's a lot, you know, like you see it in the video sometimes and it feels underwhelming. And like we've seen that I've seen the negative comments, you know what yep. I mean? It, it is what it is. Um, but when you're in the room and you're like, damn, we, we, we hit that deadline. 
we you know we did the best with the time that we had and the parameters that we were given and you sit in that room and it's like dude it's time to celebrate exactly regardless of of whether or not it's perfect yep you know and and so you know maybe that's what it was you know like hey like if you went to your new studio like wouldn't you want to just like Mm. like feel like hey man like we've made this accomplishment you know and and it's it's pretty sick and so you know, I've seen the comments. I haven't seen the episode, and you know, I can't speak on that. But I would say that if it were my studio and I built something really sick that was way different, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, dude, let's have a couple of drinks. Let's, you know. yes, that makes total sense. And I think that kind of puts it in a proper category for me too, because I think the frustration for me was Adam Curry was like he would get into talking about like some of the things that the feds are doing with currency and like Joe would cut them off, you know, would cut them Mm. off. And so maybe Joe was just trying to have a good time in his new studio. He just moved to Austin. Here's Adam Curry, like the godfather of podcasting. And they just want to have a good time together and not talk about federal currency and those types of things, you know? So that makes (laughs) total sense. Yeah, it really does. Um, any ideas why he didn't want to just have a studio at his house, man, that makes sense because he'd have too many people coming over to his place. That, that wouldn't be any good at all. Um, was the distance from his house a consideration? I honestly, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I didn't even know where that was located until after we had finished the studio. So, okay. again, the move was so quick from what I heard yep. that, you know, if, if you can find a space that quick and then get it built out that quick, it's like, you know, right now I know for a fact Austin real estate's hard to find. It you is, know, everybody's yeah. moving here. Yeah. And especially if you're going to transplant here, you want the right place. So I think you're right. Like, I don't want people coming into my home studio that, for like, sure. I don't know, coming in and out. So, you know, I don't think anything's ever finite, right? Especially right. when you're, like, number one and you can pretty much say, hey, like, I'm feeling like this one day. And so, yeah, there's going to be a point where it's, like, let's do something different. Let's do something new. Mm-hmm. And and Joe's been awesome. And I I feel like we have that relationship where he's going to call and say, Hey Matt, let's, let's move on to the next one. Nice. But I think when you're, when you're moving that quickly and you're like, everybody's talking about you, yep. you just got to do what you can do to make yep. sure that you can keep producing material. Um, and that goes for any, any podcaster. Um, right now we're in the works of like, two or three other designs and the question's always like what's the timeline look like mm-hmm. and it's like i want it yesterday yeah it's like okay we haven't even settled on like a price yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, that's a good position to be in it, it, it is and, and and that's the thing it's like content right now is so quick like mm-hmm. you got to get these episodes out quick because like relevancy is everything right mm-hmm. um and it depends on what you're like kind of foundation for your podcast is mm-hmm. but you know someone like joe is, is definitely you know he's a huge voice mm-hmm. everybody listens to him i didn't even know this going into this project that he was like that um influential oh really yeah and so it, it like time is money right it is yeah All right so yeah there's always going to be little margins of error here and there on certain things. And even going into these new studio builds, you know, we want to make sure that as we keep going into them, we ask the right questions, we find the right solutions. We make sure that like everything we do is attainable within like that timeline. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just seeing a lot more podcasters like elevate their production 
but nobody ever thinks about what goes into that on the back end. Mm. They kind of mm. like you take it for face value, right? right? You say like, oh, this dude looks sick. Like, you know, he's got yeah. this kind of Twitch streaming looking thing with all these LED lights and like, and then you see other things where um, the studio is more rustic or, you know, everybody has their own identity, but like nobody ever talks about the process yes. to getting there. You know, like where is this thing located? Oh, this happens to be in somebody's bedroom, but it looks like, this crazy studio that somebody has in like, I don't know, maybe some big building or something like that. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, um, as time goes on, people realize that like, that is very important, mm-hmm. you know, taking the time to do it right, taking the time to elevate your like production value. Mm-hmm. And so we've been fortunate enough that, you know, Joe has shouted me out, shouted out, you know, um, drew with Wrightsmith. And so since that project drew and I have really like, taken on all these projects together oh okay yeah yeah so, so drew did the desk and he's been doing all like the woodwork for okay. some of these studios moving forward and he does really great work and so it's cool to collaborate with somebody else who's not only a musician yeah but you know does custom work as a passion it's like oh crap like how can we how can we really elevate the aesthetic of this yeah because tying in the technologies i mean it's not as fun to be honest like i'm not like nerding out on like oh let's get these like crazy 8k like you know red cameras and like let's yeah. let's integrate all this sdi and do it over the network so we can change like you know aperture remotely and blah blah, blah. <laughs> like you know like i know those things but it's more exciting to take like your studio right yeah and you tell me like man i i'm really digging this like modern minimal minimalist look Mm. And I want this really crazy up lighting and I want like a fascia here that hides like some of the lighting too. So then it like splits into two tones and like yep. things like that are really exciting because yep. then like the viewer watches it and it may be something simple that that's simple to accomplish or mm-hmm. complex. But again, they're just watching your show and like mm-hmm. subconsciously they're thinking like, man, why does this look so good? Yes. And you might be in your like guest bedroom that's crazy yeah right? like i would never even have thought of that myself but of course that happens right yeah do you get have you gotten called out to like look at someone's bedroom and see about turning it into a into a studio i was there today yeah that's, no kidding yeah, in someone's so, house so the last two have been houses and like high, really high-end homes right um and so if you look at our recent design with alex Hormozzi, it's i think it's like a 13 by 14 foot room mm. But we created the space around that to be very modular. Mm. And so like everything can be moved around very easily and all the real estate on the floor is empty. So like there's no tripods, there's nothing like that to trip on, there's no cabling, like everything's really well hidden. And it's kind of like a turnkey solution where Alex feels really uh, inspired one morning to just create content. Mm -hmm. 7 a.m., turns on the lights, turns on his Mac and... He's ready to go, you know, mm. so. In that situation, does he have guests over ever or really not? Yeah, so so he does. We're working on a phase two, which is a second room. Okay. Um, And this room's really cool because we're doing like a kind of like a video wall type of setup behind him. Mm. So Drew's working on the uh, custom desk to where it can actually shift depending mm. on how many guests are in the room. Oh, okay. So it's completely modular. So like, let's say we want to have the video wall on the screen. By behind video wall, him. do you mean like, like a news... Mm-hmm. Like the news station, like yeah. would have the video behind, like something like that. Is yeah, that what you mean? so so it'll be it'll be uh, essentially four panels. Oh, so I we've see. got wow. those installed now, yeah. and so it's like four 
large panels creating just this massive panel. Sweet. Um, so rather than getting this 85 inch, you know, flat panel, yep. you know, we created a 110 inch flat panel. Okay. So kind of all seamless and it really gives that cool aesthetic, right? Like right. sportscaster, newscaster yes. type of thing. Um, and yeah, so, so creating spaces where somebody wouldn't think this could be a podcast studio mm. has been really interesting and seeing that market is just growing exponentially and I don't I don't know like if this is true or not but I know working with some of these clients it's been a challenge to find somebody to do this hmm. um, so I don't know if you know and I'm sure there's a lot of AV engineers who are much more knowledgeable than I am and and I'm sure they could team up with design engineers and make these things great um, I just you know I'm trying not to shoot myself in the foot saying this, but like, right. it's, it's obviously a market that like isn't being addressed. Yeah. And so that's what we're hoping to accomplish is find solutions for people who, again, like we said before, platform for their voice and what they got to say and yep. whatever their business may be, you know, um, elevate that. So more people take that seriously. And I think that's a huge part of podcaster success and just YouTube channels in general is like, Hey, does this look good? Mm -hmm. did, did they put time into the editing and thought into like things like audio because you're playing off of people's psyche, right? Like you're playing off of something subconscious that they don't necessarily understand, but they can visually see that this looks high budget. Mm -hmm. Even though it could be something as small as just the right lighting angles and the right like perspectives and framing with the camera. Mm -hmm. So... Oh. The, the devil's literally in the details with those right. types of things. Like there's, right. it, it, it's, it's getting it like so right that it just, it feels right. And you don't have to like, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. The, I mean, cause that's what great design is, right? It's like, right. you don't think about great design. It just feels good. And that's mm -hmm. what you're talking about. But I could see that there's a space here because if you need a podcast studio built out, you need your bedroom converted into podcast studio, your local contractor I mean, they're going to, if you give them plans, I guess, like they can make the walls as they should, but they right. don't know the space. And then an audio engineer would know a lot about like, you know, how you can situate the room for soundproofing and how to hook up the mics and those. But there's that middle ground where you don't have anyone. Like right. it's, that's the space that you guys are stepping into. Exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, then the question is like, how big is the market and like, how often are they going to need like to revamp their studio, you know, are these like one-off customers? Are you going to get them to be repeat customers? Right. You know, I mean, the thing of like being repeat customers, that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility as people's podcast grows. And then mm -hmm. now they're tired of having it in their bedroom and now they want to go down the road a piece and have the studio there. I mean, and if you're in a city like Austin, I mean, I'm happy to hear you've already got some opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah, and that could really continue. It's been great. Yeah. How much do you think, and this is a difficult question because it's just averages, but like in general, how much is the uh, the podcaster and how much is the studio when it comes to like what matters? <laughs> it's probably like more on the person, right? Because right. Joe uh, went back to when he began, it was like sitting on a couch beside a couple <laughs> of guys talking to a computer right. that was three feet away, right. you know, and it took off. Yeah. But... The studio still matters, right? I mean, one, it's kind of vertical, right? Because think about it this way. If if there's a podcaster who has something very nuanced to say, or like he's got his niche that he's talking about, and he's got he's generating all these followers, 
I feel like there's a certain point where the production has to reflect how many people are listening in order to get it past that plateau, right? Like, mm. you know, you can have a great podcast, you can have great subject matter. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure that can grow organically pretty exponentially. But then you add the studio aspect to it and you start to elevate those, uh, the technology and the lighting and, 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 um, and those details. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden people are like, okay, well, like, you know, this person obviously has the means to do it now because everybody listens and now Mm -hmm. let's, you know, and, and so I can't say whether or not that will grow the following. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do it backwards, right? Like you create this massive studio and you spend all this money then you have nothing to say. Right. And like you have no followers, you have no listeners. And I, I would use it as an analogy like this, like how can you be a band and release an album that sucks that was recorded at like a multi-million dollar studio. Mm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you take a band that was, you know, just like insanely popular mm-hmm. and still have these like garage band recordings, but yeah. everybody's going to their shows. Everybody's listening to this band, you know? So like, I think your question is super valid in the fact that like, I don't think we'll ever know how much it matters because in every like aspect of entertainment or um, content, a lot of times, you know, it, sometimes it's just like luck of the draw. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many podcasters out there. Yep. How many people are actually listening to every single one of them? Yep. You know, and so will a better studio equate a better ROI? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, are you willing to spend 50 grand on your studio to find that out? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So one of the things that is, I mean, it has been coming on strong for some time is podcasters getting on YouTube as well. Like this is not necessarily right. new, but um, but still, there's a lot of podcasters that are just out on podcast, the podcast apps, and then YouTube having the video component to it and creating right. clips and trying to go big on YouTube. That's a more recent strategy than the podcast app. Um, so that's one, but is there others where you kind of are starting to see like the direction of podcasting going or things that people are doing that seems to be working for them? Other strategies around podcasting in general? As far as podcasting is concerned, you know, I don't have a a good foundation for what's worked for podcasters in the, in the past, you know, as far as source of information, you know, the component of video seems to be huge for like success for, you know, random YouTubers, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you see that they have, you know, tens of millions of views and they're generating revenue. And so it seems like it's a little bit more immersive when you're getting out of the audio space and adding Mm -hmm. video to that. Mm -hmm. And then you can add from there, add other components, like you said, um, doing interviews, like you and I chatting right now, you know, is it more interesting if you were just listening to it in your car? Or is it more interesting if you're watching us and kind of like our emotions and like what we're saying, what we're doing. I know when I was doing some editing uh, recently, trying to create an ambiance in the podcast, which was all audio by adding Foley and like sound effects and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So you're trying to enhance one sense rather than catering to like two different senses, right? Mm -hmm. Like audible and visual. So I'm, I'm, hoping that like the way like moving forward people were taking that into consideration and saying okay like my podcast is it's wildly successful right now Mm -hmm. let me start considering the next component of that and that's Mm -hmm. you know visual 
Um, but then again, there's a lot of people who don't have the time to sit down and watch a YouTube video, you know, yeah, and true. that could be yeah. a video that's 15 minutes or in Joe's case, like three hours long. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be the need for just audible podcast, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's on Spotify or, you know, whatever platform that is. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would say it's, it's, it's definitely going to grow, especially with COVID kind of like being the catalyst to yeah more people saying, Hey, like I could do this right now. I have the time or, yep. and, um, and hopefully when that does happen, people just keep calling guys like me and <laughs> right. we can like help integrate that yes. to the way that works for them. Yeah. I hope so too, man. For sure. Um, if you were to like to look at a space and someone wants to take, say, a bedroom and turn it into a podcast studio or just any space, like what are some things you're just immediately going to think about? Like, is it soundproofing or sound deadening or like do you have kind of like some tips or strategies for like the average podcaster who might be listening to this right now who maybe has a podcast and kind of wants to up their game a little bit? Or is it all about mics and the whatever these chords are called or like do you have other like ideas or tips for people to kind of improve the quality of the audio in particular? I would say when, when you're going into a space and, and, you know, every space is a little bit, it's going to be more personal to who, whomever that is, you know, and it, it really depends on what they're doing. If it's just your general podcaster, um, speaking into a mic, capturing the audio, curating that for his, for their listeners, um, the space becomes important based on like the surfaces, right? You know, mm. if you've got nothing but hard surfaces in your room, that's a given, you know, like this is going to be really hard to negate those reflections and things like that. So, but it all, it all depends on like budget, right? Like it mm. all depends on like how deep in the weeds do you want to get with spending money to like make this, you know, near perfect. Mm -hmm. Can you get away with like 50% there, and hopefully that gets you more listeners. You know, I wouldn't say more listeners because I don't mm -hmm. think that will generate more listeners, but at least the quality of the content would be better. Um, so, yeah, it's like how much are you willing to spend to really dial it in to a, like, quote-unquote professional mm -hmm. specification? You know, mm -hmm. like anybody who's not doing video can literally just throw some sound blankets on the wall right. as a start, right? Anybody who's not doing video can put like rugs and furniture if they have hard floors and things of that nature, you know, nobody's going to know. Yes. I mean, nobody's going to know that you cut corners to like yep. make this sound better. <laughs> it's when you add that video component to it where it's like, okay, now there's more considerations. If I go to somebody's house like I did today and they're like, well, this is the small room we're working in and we have this big window over here. It's like, okay, well, that window might be a problem. We've mm -hmm. got to like black that out so we can have full control over the lighting. Mm -hmm. We need to, you know, use a space wisely. You need wide angle lenses. You need something like a fast aperture lens so you can have like some nice depth of field, you know? So, so that question is so, um, I mean, the answer to that's so malleable based on what the client has to work with in mm -hmm. the space. So I would say going into it, consider what you already have, mm -hmm. right? Don't think about, buying the 1200 the $2,500 mic. Don't think about buying, you know, the latest and greatest interface. Um, people have been doing this with less and have become wildly successful. Yes. Um, yeah. It's a matter of take the space you have, see what you can do to supplement, supplement what you already, what you're working with 
and then from there decide what that budget looks like mm-hmm. because there's going to be a bunch of different steps, not just the microphone or the acoustical, you know, nature of the room. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like, are you still going to be able to quickly deliver the same content working under a different set of like workflow parameters and stuff yes. like that? So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What about uh, like shot lines with video? Someone was saying recently, and I and then I was watching a news clip on YouTube or something, and then I saw this shot line where it's like the camera's over my right shoulder, but mm-hmm. you're talking, and the shots on you, but it has a little bit of like the right twenty percent of my like the right. back. You know what I mean? Like right. it has a little bit of my face in the shot line, but then you're mm-hmm. in the shot. Um, and I don't feel like I've really seen that on many podcasts. You kind of see that in like like an interview, like if you see like ABC News do an interview, right, like right. someone's like sitting here and someone's sitting here. 2020 Dateline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then yeah. you see like the interviewers kind of the back of their face in the shot line as they talk to the guests. But I don't really see that on podcasts much. Kind of would there be suggestions you'd have for people with videos and shot lines, kind of like some some guiding principles or some tips you'd have on that front? Well, first, I mean, first and foremost, like try to create some dynamic in the scene where you do have something maybe in the foreground. It doesn't have to be like mm. your uh, your guest or anything like that, but it could be lighting. It could be some sort of object on the desk, you know, create, you know, you, you never want to have a flat, you know, necessarily flat surface or flat perspective between you and what's behind you. Right. You, you can create that mm-hmm. sense of depth by adding other objects into the oh, frame, okay, okay. whether it's closer or further. And that, that may be what they're trying to accomplish there is, you know, have a really shallow depth of field where let's say the camera's behind my head mm-hmm. and my head's kind of blurred out, but you're yes. in focus. Yep. Right. And so that, that, that creates a, a lot more interest for the viewer. You know what I mean? Because my head's inherently going to start moving left and right as I'm talking. Yep. And then, I, I don't necessarily feel like that's distracting. I just feel like mm-hmm. it gives another element of like interest. Like, oh, okay, cool. We're not just looking at your face. We're not just like looking right. at the subject. We're creating a sense of space between the subject okay. and their guest. You know, the, the interviewer and their guest. And you can even do that with things like lighting. And again, you know, just have have the camera and the the subject further from the wall. Th- things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. But again, it's all contingent on space. Exactly. What do you have to work with? Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I would. That would be my suggestion: is experiment with it. Don't really settle for just a wide-angle lens on axis with yep. the subject, and then it's just kind of like, all right, there you are. Kind of, <laughs> there you go. Like, yeah, <laughs> Andrew, we could maybe try to toy around with like the camera catching like the back of a head for the guest. We haven't tried that yet. Um, we have plenty of space. So I feel like that was the one, like it's also good if there's some space behind the subject too, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a video. Most definitely. Here. It's good to have a little space behind you right. to kind of create that depth of field again a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We don't have to get too technical. <laughs> what was it like then getting, so doing Joe's studio and then, I mean, he had a couple of shouts out on Instagram, at least one maybe. Was it that that really started you kind of getting into this kind of in more projects like just that shout out on instagram yeah i mean i I know um you know we got we got the shout outs on like the youtube um videos and and his post uh when he was interviewing with like adam curry and a couple of other guests but the instagram definitely was a game changer Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you know it, it had gone from like 300 something followers to like 2000 something like within like you know <laughs> crazy a day or something like wow. that it was crazy and um and so yeah there were a lot of inquiries 
um, kind of got slammed and it was funny because, uh, hopefully nobody like COVID shames me, shames me over this, but you know, I was at a, a friend's wedding the following day or that the day he had shouted us out and, um, and like I was in the wedding and my phone just kept going off. No way. Like just Instagram, like, uh, like messages and message requests and stuff. And so it's like, oh man, like what happened? So I looked and I saw that Joe tagged uh, the page and it was just like a lot of people were really cool. They're like, hey man, this is awesome. Yada, yada. And then we had a lot of people reach out like, hey, are you willing to fly out to Florida? I think we had one in like North Carolina. And so, um, so yeah, it kind of turned, it snowballed into this thing. It was like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is what I'm doing now. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like this is, this is great. You know, and it's not even that it's low hanging fruit. It's mm-hmm. like genuinely that like I enjoy doing this. Mm-hmm. And along the way I've met people like Drew who have another skill set that I can leverage. You know, like you said, like mm-hmm. anybody they call who's like a general contractor would say, oh yeah, yeah, we can put things on the wall and like, yeah. you know, do some lights and stuff. And then they're just going to be like, well, you figure out the rest, you know? Exactly. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of turned into this is kind of the lane we're creating mm-hmm. and and just kind of going with the flow right now yeah i love it man i that's so great i mean it kind of speaks to the trust i think that joe has too like for him to tag you on instagram or do something on youtube and people to reach out in florida and north carolina and all around tech you know austin or texas or wherever he he does have i think a very loyal following like people trust him i think it's because he's very genuine and authentic and he's not like a bser and he's not trying to show kind of one side of joe he's just Mm -hmm. is who he is and so when he uses you for his studio and then tags you people trust that you know i think it speaks to his credibility which is a very good thing so yeah well great man well thanks so much for coming by i really appreciate it and um well anything else you wanted to dig into here uh not necessarily (laughs) man you know it's just it's it's been a crazy year you know like i'm sure everybody you've talked to has been like yeah this has happened to me and yada yada so um right now i would say you know it's just like the perfect opportunity for anybody to create like opportunity out of the circumstance mm-hmm. you know i know i had a lot of friends and colleagues who basically just said like damn i've got to find a new job now yeah you know and for me i was like well man we've got this four month severance let me let me see if i can do something on my own you know right. like why am i like you know getting other people paid for doing like my knowledge and the stuff that i do so yeah um so yeah when that that call to arms came for like Joe's it's like okay like these are those opportunities you're you're waiting for I think we're so like consumed by this pandemic and how Mm -hmm. it's affected us in a negative way we're not looking at those opportunities as opportunities anymore you know it's almost like noise or a distraction Mm -hmm. because like yeah we've got to make money and we've got to keep moving forward but I've also seen the opposite of that and I've seen a Mm -hmm. lot of people take this as opportunity to kind of chase what they've always wanted to do. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yes, I think it, it is a beautiful thing. Right. So in Austin, I think that's, it's really a great city mm-hmm. to use as a platform for that. And, and anywhere like Nashville, you know, I, I, I would hope to see a lot of success from other, whether it's content creators or people like me who just, we know a lot of things, we do a lot of things mm-hmm. and we're interested in a lot of things. And, and I'm starting to see that as a community, as much as it's been crazy politically mm-hmm. lately. And mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot more people come together and find solutions for you yes. know, different problems that aren't even AV related just because they're like, you know what? This sucks, but I'm forced yeah. to adapt. 
Yeah. So let's make let's make stuff happen. You know. Yeah, totally. I mean, there might even be. I mean, there's other areas there where what you're doing, you could branch out into other things. Like what you're basically doing is you're getting into the podcast space, right? And that could lead to other other things. I mean, I know there's like virtual places that would do editing and you know, video editings and those types of things. But I feel like kind of that whole piece, like that's uh, an area where if you can like gain podcasters trust, you can maybe like break in there too, you know? Um, Because I feel like there's podcasters just want to talk and create content and then everything else, like a lot of times they just, they need someone for that, you know? Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, I think, um, I think you're totally right with the, I love how you have your, your thought about like making lemonade when you get some lemons, like those are stories we need to hear. Like even during COVID-19 with all of the crazy going on, there's still people out there like looking for the positive and making the best of the situation. Right. Right. And I feel like there's something in like humans where we kind of use it as an excuse when something big or bad is happening. We're just like, yeah, you know, we we can't really do anything until this passes and kind of use that as an excuse to just not move forward. And here you are taking the opportunities and going for it. So get after it, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate (laughs) that. I'm happy to hear that. Well, great, dude. Thank you so much for stopping by. It was a pleasure to meet you and um, great job in the studio. I look Thank forward you, to many more. I'm following you on Instagram, so keep <laughs> posting pictures of the studios you guys are doing. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more. Cool. Thanks, man. We'll do that. Thanks. Thanks.